We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're on the Blue Wire Network. We're brought to you by Indeed and Bet Online. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here with Jason Pat. Bulls got a new front office, but it's the same old story in free agency, Jason. A week into free agency about the Bulls have made just one move, agreeing to a one-year, $5 million deal with Garrett Temple that still hasn't been announced. You can go into that in a minute. Uh, but mostly, I feel like we've kind of just been in uh, wait-and-see mode. There hasn't been a trade. There hasn't been any big signings. Obviously, the Bulls only had the mid-level exception, which I think is about, what, like 8 or $9 million a year. And then the... Uh, Biannual. The biannual exception yeah. as well. So it's been a quiet free agent period uh, thus far. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, so uh, obviously that Garrett Temple deal went down Friday uh, after some initial initial rush. And then, and then I guess we should bring up that Denzel Valentine, as predicted, rushed. I, I'm surprised it didn't happen right away, literally right away. Took that qualifying offer of $4.7 So he's back. He's got a one-year deal, $4.7 million. He also has the right to veto any trade now. Because he did that, again, not uh, not unexpected at all. And then I will also point out Adam Makoka back on a, his uh, two-way deal against him and Dotson or another two-way guys. As for the Bulls and their general inactivity, I know this has caused some consternation among fans who, with this new front office, were really hoping for the team to do a bit more. I mean, we've kind of... I pointed this out on another podcast well if you look at, at a team like the Detroit Pistons another team like kind of in a rebuild and they have a new GM with Troy Reaver and they've just been wheeling and dealing they've also made some very questionable moves like I mean, Mason Plumley, and they gave Jeremy Grant a lot of money how do you feel about Jeremy Grant he's good I don't know if he's worth 360 but just kind of two very different approaches with the Pistons who I do think the Bulls are in a better position in terms of like core pieces but the Pistons just a lot of moves being made, and the Bulls just kind of biding their time, being patient again. Garrett Temple, a perfectly fine veteran signing, uh, one year, five million, as you mentioned, and it seems like it's part of the mid level. But you also did mention how it has not been announced yet, which I am like for such a simple deal like that, you would think it would just kind of happen right away, which makes me wonder if maybe there there is something else in the works before they announce that deal. Again, we will see. 
uh, about that. But I mean, again, quickly, Garrett Temple, he's, I think he's 34 years old. He played a lot of minutes for the Nets last year. He had like career highs, like in terms of like his counting stats, but it was because of his minutes. This will be his 10th team. It's like a 35, 34% three-point shooter for his career. Uh, on the floor, you'll basically get just like a, a veteran, decent, like kind of 3 and D guy. Like he plays hard defensively. Uh, apparently great in the locker room. I know we talked about this with Thad Young last, last offseason. We thought Thad Young would be a great locker room guy. It sounds like Garrett Temple is like legitimately a great locker room guy. Uh, Bradley Beal called him like his favorite teammate ever. A lot of other young guys have really liked him. He's a vice, one of the vice presidents of the National Basketball Players Association. So like legit veteran guy here. But I mean, whatever. One year, $5 million for a 34-year-old wing who just to get some wing depth. I mean, that's obviously not super exciting. So in terms of like, am I like, am I antsy? Like, am I antsy? Kind of a little bit. Like, I think I expected maybe a little more. I would like to see a little more happen for sure. Did I really expect anything huge to happen this offseason? I feel like leading up to this, I really was never expecting like really a trade of the core. I know we talked about how anything should be on the table. Nobody's untouchable. But when it came down to it, like it would not have surprised me to see like basically what they're doing right now is is kind of a wait and see like and if they assuming that they don't make a big trade uh, of a core piece and whatever Zach Levine, Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr., Larry Markin are all back, that wouldn't surprise me. Just to kind of see what they have under a new competent head coach in Billy Donovan, and then kind of going from there. And if obviously if it went to shit next this upcoming season, then you better make some moves. But I would also like to see. Uh, I'll, I'll let you answer here really quick and give your take as well. I would like to see more, obviously, with the end of the roster, basically non-core guys. We can talk about that in a bit. But Ricky, is this bothering you uh, that they are basically not doing anything? Yeah. Well, I think like the first thing you need to do is sort of acknowledge, like you know, so the young core of the previous front office, which is obviously Kobe White, Zach Levine, Lowry Markin, and Wendell Carter. I felt like the Garpax mindset was like. We're going to acquire these young pieces. We're going to be patient. They're going to grow together, and hopefully they can grow into something great. So after watching this core for the last couple of years, like, Jason, do you think that if the Bulls just let that you know that young core grow, now add Patrick Williams to it, that one day it will be something great? Do you, do you think that will be the case? Do I think... Like this group, like entirely together, will be the case. Yeah. I don't think so. No, I think we've of course not. It. Anyone who watched yeah. in the last couple of years yeah. should know that <laughs> you know they just don't have enough juice. They don't have enough upside. They don't have enough star power. And Garpax, perhaps geniusly, also fucking handcuffed themselves by hiring the worst head coach in the NBA. Yeah. So now when the new front office is evaluating the young core, it's like, well, let's see them when they don't have the worst head coach in the NBA. But like, <laughs> why did they ever have the worst head coach in the NBA? They didn't have to. Uh, just because Paxson and <laughs> Boylan are both MAGA guys. No, I don't know. But it's ridiculous that the Bulls are in this situation, right? That uh, you still have all these pieces we've seen for the last couple of years and the and no one feels like they can be adequately judged because they were handcuffed by such poor head coaching. So if that is the new front office, Karnaschovas and Eversley, if that is their philosophy where we're going to go into this new season, we're going to see what marketing looks like with Billy Donovan. We're going to see what Carter looks like with Billy Donovan. We're going to try to establish like, you know, a style of play that we want to play. We're going to try to figure out an identity as a team, which has really been lacking from the Bulls. Uh, since the last time they were any good. So, like, I think that, you know, 
there's a sense where that all makes there's you know there's a it, that does make sense and it's in some way but it's also like you're kind of running out of time like yes you don't want to deal marketing now when you think like perhaps his value could be higher yeah it could also yeah. be lower a year from now because his rookie extension will be up he's going to need to be resigned so you got to figure that out also if marketing has another bad year like he did last year you got to think like some of that like young player promise is going to start to wear off, right? And eventually he'll just be like kind of okay. a guy who's been in the league for four yeah. years and hasn't gotten any better and hasn't shown any real upside. So I think you have to be careful of that too. Uh, and like mostly I just think that this core is going to need to be shaken up. I think that Karnaschovas was hired to shake up the core because Paxson and Foreman were not capable of doing it, right? Like Paxson and Foreman never made any big trades, the only time they ever made a trade was basically to dump salary. So now like s- some tough decisions have to be made. So I'm not going to sit here on this podcast and be like, the bulls have to move Larry Markkinen. The bulls have to uh, trade Zach Levine. But what I do think is that there's going to come a point where you have to make some sort of decision. You need to maximize the value on each, each of those pieces. Now I don't, I'm not really like upset that they haven't done anything yet, but I do think the clock is ticking. Yeah, because, for sure. Uh, you know, these guys only like Levine. If you go to trade Levine next offseason, okay, now he's only under contract for one year. Does that make him more uh, like more likely to be desired by another team or less likely? So right, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of questions up in the air here. And the the first thing that I think that you need to acknowledge though is that. Kobe White, Zach Levine, Lowry Markin, and Wendell Carter as a core is not good enough. So, you know, there's that's going to need to be improved one way or another. What I have been seeing throughout the league since free agency started, uh, you know, you, there's two ways of going about doing it. So you could look at the Hawks. In the Hawks are just signing everyone. The Hawks signed Gallinari. <laughs> the Hawks signed Stojanovic. The Hawks signed Chris Dunn. Rondo. The Hawks signed Rondo. And that was in addition to this young, drafted, homegrown core they had before that, right? They had DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter, John Collins. They just drafted a Kongu. It's like they almost have like two full teams at this point now of like veteran guys and young guys to potentially put around Trey Young. So that's one way you could do it. Uh, And then the other way you could do it is how the Thunder and the Pelicans have taken their approach to this offseason, which is basically we have assets that are valuable league-wide. When other teams are desperate, we are going to just drain them uh, on trade value, and we're going to win those trades based on value. So, like, you look at all everything that went back to the Pelicans for the Drew Holiday deal to Milwaukee. You look at all the trades that OKC has made, basically getting, like, 12 first-round picks or whatever it's been. Ridiculous. So part of me... <laughs> is now at the point where I'm like, man, like maybe it would be good if there's a desperate team that really wants Zach. Like, yeah, give me two first round picks and two pick swaps. You know what I mean? Like a trade like that to me would be really welcomed, even if it's going to weaken the on-court product this year, because then at least the franchise would have a little bit of direction. Uh, And like, you know, you can just take those picks and you can trade them, which the last front office never did. Like if there was a fire sale for the Bulls and they were trading Levine, they were trading Markinen. All right. And let's say you get three or four first round picks like that doesn't mean you need to hold on to them forever and use them yourself. You can also move them 
the next time a superstar becomes available and there's guys available every single offseason. Right now we're in a situation where James Harden's basically available. So uh, there's a lot of different routes you can take to do this. I think that they don't really have all that much time. I think that like they better make some moves by the trade deadline because a piece like Otto Porter could be really valuable league-wide, I think. But uh, he's, you know, he's only going to have a single year left on his contract. I don't know what his protections are in terms of when he can be traded. It's probably December or, you know, like a little bit into the season or whatever. But they should definitely. I think, he, I think I'm pretty sure he could be traded whenever. Okay. He can I'm be pretty sure. Wait then. Yeah. They should be looking to move him. Uh, Felicio, he's only on the roster as a trade chip. And so be looking to move him. Thad Young. I mean, I just cut, the I just the cut Felicio. Right. Cut well, Felicio. Well, I think you could like you could stretch his contract, but whatever. Don't yeah. stretch him. That would be the worst thing you could do. Then he's on the it's, books for five more like, years. It's it's only three more years. It'd okay. be like three years, like three million a year. I that if it like came down to it and like you could get someone else that roster spot, I would do it. Obviously, that's a last that is a last resort type deal. I just don't want him on this damn roster. Well you could also season. use him in a trade, right? Like just a match. Right, yeah. Or, obviously. If you yeah, you certainly could. I just be like I don't know how you're going to use him in a trade because he's just awful. Even I don't know, but yeah, it would have to in general though. I agree though. Like the, the rest of this roster, like if you're not going to trade a core guy, and I, I do really, I, you mentioned like the Zach, like possibly trading Zach for like a haul. I'm sure they are asking for a haul. Like I'm very, I'm, I am very curious how other teams around the league view these guys. Like because like individually, like you look at him and it's like oh, like Zach Levine. We obviously have talked him up a bit. Like he's a good scorer and all that. He's the Bulls' best player. Like they should be asking for a lot. But like, what is another like? What is a contender willing to give a Zach Levine? I don't know. I guess Drew Holiday just got a ridiculous haul, so maybe they could like a desperate team could. But maybe maybe that does happen closer to the trade deadline. I don't know. And then like you mentioned how Lowry and Wendell like their values aren't that high high right now. Like the Bulls, it almost just feel like they are trying to like thread a needle where like all these guys, a bunch of these guys, like their value isn't that high because they had a doofus head coach or like Zach Levine, like his value might be high right now, but it might they might value him like too much. Uh, so it's just kind of in like a weird spot. And you also mentioned the Hawks as like a thing, like maybe they think next the bulls, like the, maybe the bulls think like they could be the Hawks like next off season when they have like a, after a better season and they have a better idea of which core guys they want when they have more cap space and all that. Like, I don't like, I'm not a big fan of like hoarding the cap space for like, I don't think they're going to get any like superstar free agents, but I mean, they could add some like nice players around the core that like the Hawks that did the Hawks haven't really added superstars, but they've added some nice players with the cap space that they did have. So like, maybe that's the route they plan on taking is kind of just like playing the cap space game, but like not necessarily for superstars. Cause again, I don't even know what superstars are actually going to be available next off season. We'll see but the bulls could have some decent amount of cap space. It is just kind of a weird spot. So like, that's why I'm like not upset yet. Kind of like you, but once you do see like the season, the season starts in a month. Like once you get like a month or two in and you kind of see where this thing might be going, they definitely should be ready to pivot and make some big moves. I guess because if they could just kind of, if they're just kind of standing pat throughout this year too, like I wonder like the worst, like I feel like the worst thing could happen is if they like, they're like kind of competing for like the a spot in the plan, but they like think they're totally fine. I guess that wouldn't be the worst because then maybe they're able to get, add some guys next off season, but it is kind of a weird spot that they're in right now. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like yeah. it, I, I do understand why people are antsy. You get a new front office in after watching crap like Garpex, what they've done lately, and for like nothing to happen again. I do understand it. I have been trying to preach the patience thing, but the patience only lasts so long. I think there should be patience for right now. 
But I also do think they should they should be looking to do more this offseason. I just really hope that the ownership isn't like, hey, let's just give it a year, see what they have in terms yeah. of like Kobe, Levine, Markkinen. Like, I really hope that there's no pressure from ownership to do that. Because, like, you look at Daryl Morey, who comes into the Sixers, and he's immediately just, like, (laughs) making a bunch of trades. And they might be trades that the Sixers are losing on straight value, but it's going to help the fit of the team, right? Oh, much better. And Morey, you know, explains it perfectly in all his press conferences about, you know, the gravity that Seth Curry has as a shooter. And you're just like, yeah, like Maury gets it. And he's going to be able to come in, identify the problem, identify the solution, make the deal. Okay, Karnaschovas, can you identify the problem for us? First of all, like, let's see you do that, then figure out the solution. Uh, But of course, like, you know, they do have some time. So I'm not super antsy, but uh, the current state of the team is exactly like you said. They are not as bad as like the Wizards, the Cavs, the Knicks. Knicks, The Knicks looks, the Pistons are going to be awful. And that's just in the conference. Yeah. Uh, But then in terms of the playoffs, like they're competing with, I guess, in, in, you know, there is the seven and eight seed make the play in tournament this year, nine and 10 seed make the play in tournament this year. So those four teams, like, all right, I assume they're competing with like the magic, the Hawks, It'll be like the magic, magic Hawks wizards. I think will be there with wall possibly back, even though maybe he'll get traded. I don't know, but I mean, the wizards, I think will be right there. The wizards and the bulls have like the same record this past year. So like you figure there's like six, seven legit teams, like depending on the Pacers should probably stick around as well. Like they should be just as good. So like set probably seven good teams. Then you get to the eight where it's like Hornets, Bulls, Magic, Wizards, Hawks is probably. And then like, I think Pistons, Cavs, Knicks are probably bringing up the rear there. So like there's probably like four or five teams battling for those last, whatever, four spots or three spots maybe in the East. And again, the Hawks should be better. Hornets signing Gordon Hayward and getting Lamelo. I mean, that's at least interesting. I don't know how good they'll actually be. Again, the Wizards with like Wall back if they don't trade him. Uh, I just, I mean, again, it, in the East, like to get the ten, to get in the ten spot, to get in that playing tournament, like the Bulls aren't competing for that. That's an absolute like joke. And then they'll like, and then maybe they'll have a chance at Cade Cunningham, and then everything should blow up. Like if, if the Bulls are not competing for that ten spot, they should get rid of everybody almost. But. Uh, I don't know. They, they should, there's really no excuse not to be, at least be competing for that spot. I don't know. Yeah. And then, you know, you mentioned the bottom of the roster. And this is another thing I feel uh, passionately about. Well, before, like, before, we talk, before we talk about bottom of the roster, maybe other moves, let's take a quick break for our word from our sponsors. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. So now, Indeed's new way of matching with candidates instantly delivers a shortlist of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you could contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore Total Visits. So it's clear that Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts. 
which means more quality candidates will see it fast. So try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today, start off wagering on wins, division championships, and futures all day, every day. Head over to Bet Online and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're back talking. I wanted to talk about the end of the roster. Real yeah, quick. absolutely. Okay, this team still has four centers with Cornette, Felicio, Gafford, and Wendell Carter. Yes. You just don't need four centers. Correct. <laughs> this team also doesn't really have much use for Thad Young at this point. I think that's like the right. number one guy who you would potentially want to trade. Yeah. You can argue it either way. Potentially, Thad Young doesn't have as much value as we might think around the league. I still think he could help out the contenders who basically like you're going to need depth, especially in this shortened season. I would like to think that young has a little bit of value, uh, but I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. So that's like, you know, something to think about. And then do we really need Archie Diacono for another year? Like to me, he doesn't really have any upside. He's a fine, he's fine. player, I guess. If he's their like, 15th man, if he's your 15th man, like whatever. I can, that's totally fine. I don't know why the Bulls gave him a three year deal. What was that last offseason? I think, like, I mean, just why? Just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's all, actually, I don't know. I don't know if it's third years guaranteed, but still, either way, there's no reason to give him that deal. Like, he's, he's fine. He proved that he can play in the NBA a little bit, but like, you just don't, when you're like a rebuilding team like this, like, he's probably a better guy to have as a contender as your 15th man who, like, you can do whatever. You could count on if you really need it. But, like, when you're a rebuilding team, like, looking for upside, like you mentioned, like, that just, just don't use a roster spot in a guy like that. It makes almost makes no almost no sense. Like, I don't I don't get it. So, yeah. you Yeah, you mentioned, like, those, like, Cornette and Felicia. We talked about Felicia already. Uh, Arch Giacomo. Uh, I mean, Hutchinson's still there. I mean, you're not, they're probably not going to give up on him. But, like, I'd be fine giving up on him. Uh, I We mentioned Denzel. Like, he's there as well, which... We were kind of confused about why they gave him his qualifying offer when he just hasn't done anything in the league and, and he's 27 already. I know they like that he can shoot and pass, but like he's played like 170 games or something like that in the 40 years, and that's ridiculous. He's always hurt. Like, why use a roster spot and $5 million on him? So, like, that, yeah, there's a lot of like roster churn that they could still do here. We all, I'd have, we haven't mentioned Sadoransky either. Like, Sadoransky is fine as a bench guy, but like, if you could trade him also, like, get for something, like, I don't care. Like, all these guys, it's just, like, whatever, <laughs> basically. So, like, I would uh, would like to see them kind of move a few of these guys around. Uh, in terms of, like, Thad Young, like, I, w- a t- would a team like the Nets like him? Like, I don't know. Like, could you trade him for, like, him and something else for Lonzo Ball? Something like Lonzo Ball? I don't know. I know when, in terms of, like, having Garrett Temple... Uh, coming in, like, and I mentioned how they haven't uh, announced that deal yet. I don't think they have announced it since we started recording here. Uh, like, I like you wonder, like, oh, maybe they could work something else out for another player in the Nets. Like, maybe they could bring in Spencer Dinwiddie. But I'm again, I'm assuming the uh, the Nets are probably waiting to see what happens with James Harden, and that Spencer Dinwiddie would be in a James Harden trade. But like, 
theoretically, maybe a guy like Thad Young could be useful on the Nets and you could get somebody from there. I really don't know. And it's it just, but they could still definitely, the Bulls could definitely still use some more playmaking. They have too many guys in the front court because even you mentioned the four centers. I mean, you could argue that Lowry should be playing some center as well at times. Yeah. You've, I know you've talked about Patrick Williams as a possible like small ball five at times. They, they just have too many damn big men and just like useless guys there. And they need to, they need more help on the wing and the backcourt, whatever you want to call it. Like, they need to make some moves here on, on the outside. Is there anybody like you're, anybody left, like any trades that you like would like to make them see? Like I, I mentioned Lonzo, like I guess I mentioned Dinwiddie, but I can't imagine that would actually happen. Like anybody else out there? Uh, I mean, to me, the best possible trade would be dealing Thad Young for Monte Morris. Now, is that trade still on the table? Because I believe Millsap returned to Denver, right? They did. Yeah, and I think the Nuggets want to extend Morris. Now they want to extend Morris? Okay. Yeah. Because someone like Morris would really be perfect. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I I threw that out there to Stefan No, see what he thought. And he said his immediate response was that would be the best Bulls trade in 16 years since (laughs) Eddie Curry. So, yeah, like I would love to see some sort of deal like that where they can actually get like a legitimate table setter. Like Monte Morris would be so perfect because he's young. And I think the presence of a guy like that would help you evaluate Markinen and Carter moving forward, just having a really skilled floor general to lead the show, right? Take the ball out of Zach's hands, put him in a better role. I would love Monte Morris if they could somehow do that. And I'm already thinking like, I know Denver wanted Levine. Maybe we trade Levine for Monte Morris at this point. Like, have them throw in some picks. Yeah, see, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna need some picks in there too. But. Well, we're gonna need picks. We're yeah. gonna need swaps. But yeah, like make a positive value deal for a team that is desperate. Like I kind of think that that might be the bull the Bulls' best road at this point. Uh, and if it's not, and if you know the other way they want to do this is to like go into free agency next year and sign some guys, that's cool too, man. But. Uh, my evaluation of the Garpax Young Corps is that they just don't have enough juice. They don't have enough upside. And you're going to have to shake it up. And it doesn't – like I know that Karnaschovas and Eversley were like, we view this as like a quick turnaround. And they said that, right, when they took over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, why, though? Like I, I don't really <laughs> understand that. Like all you should be worrying about is improving the talent base of the team or the asset base of the team. And – that has to be done significantly to make any sort of headway on the progression of the team. So not like minor moves, like another offseason like Sadaransky and Thad Young, which full disclosure, I loved when they did that last year. Obviously, I was wrong about it. But like, you know, moves around the edges like that, that's not really going to be enough to move the needle. The Bulls need to get bold. The only reason why Karnaschovas is here is because of that. So Get Cornette out of here. Get that young out of here. <laughs> Give me some wings. I don't even care who they're looking for in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, you don't want to take on Wiggins in like a big deal like that. Like, uh, yeah, you yeah, know, there's some sort of contracts, long-term contracts you're going to want to avoid. But in general, this team uh, badly needs either assets or talent. Like, I'm curious. I think one other name I was like, I wonder if like George Hill is gettable from the Thunder. I, he's obviously not exciting either. Like, he, I mean, that's just another like okay veteran, not the not a great playmaker. He is a really good shooter though. And like, if you're just looking for another guard slash wing, like George Hill is on the Thunder now after that after the what like four team trade with the Holiday trade. Like, maybe he could be flipped again to the Bulls. I don't, again, I don't really don't know what they they what I would want to give up for something like George Hill. But I mean, they could they they just need something there, like more at guard something more a better shooter more dynamic playmaker something like that because 
I mean, just in general, that, that something like that should help just like your young guys be better. Like we're trying to whatever. We're trying to improve the value of Lowry and Wendell. Well, getting like an actual competent point guard uh, or at least another competent. I guess they don't really have like a legitimate point guard. Like, I mean, Kobe White's not a point guard yet. He's more of a gunner. We know what Zach kind of is in that mold. Like Sadoransky is fine, but he's not really that good. So like getting an actual guy who can run an offense, run a high level offense because the Bulls have had one of the worst offenses in the NBA the last few years would help probably the value of these young guys, which is what we want them to see if they're going to be, if they're going to stay around. So like they need, they need something like that in there. So I don't know. I, 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 I was looking at some other names. Like would you trade for like Terry Rozier? I got no. like big, big contract, but like, yeah, like would you do like that? And like for Terry Rozier, I don't want Rozier. Like, no, yeah, you, like, I mean, a key part of this is not doing a move just to do a move. Yeah, for and sure. I, like you got to identify the type of guys you want to build with long term. Yeah. Someone like Monte Morris would be awesome, and someone like Terry Rozier is not someone who I would want. I would so. I would assume I would assume Devonte Graham is not available. He's like on a super cheap deal. He broke out last year, but like I would have to think someone from that Hornets backcourt is going to be traded. I don't think that, I think are they really going to go forward with Lamelo, Devonte, Terry Rozier, and Gordon Hayward there? Like all now, I mean, maybe they will because it's the Hornets and like they can kind of bide their time with what they with some of these guys there i would have to imagine they trade somebody soon dude so like if you could get Devonte graham like that'd be absolutely sick but i can't imagine that they would actually do that. that's a good one yeah maybe we could trade lowry for Devonte graham like maybe there's a way to do that mid-season or something i i would i mean that's done absolutely 100 percent. yeah like, Dev- i know he didn't shoot that well like he was only like 38 percent i think overall but great he really came to his own as a passer he shot well from three and i think he killed the bulls in a few games last year he can basically only shoot pull up threes he can't really get to the basket he's not a natural playmaker he is a tough defender though yeah Yeah, he's small so he's someone who you probably don't want as like your engine like he's not like a monte morris type of floor general he's more of like a pull-up shooting threat but even having a guy like that i think would be really beneficial now i do think i'm not like totally out on marketing we've discussed marketing so much on this podcast over the last (laughs) Yeah. year i'm not saying that like the bulls have to get rid of him but you know after you add pat williams and you sort of look at uh you know how the team sh- can be constructed going forward i definitely think that lowry's place on the team should be the shakiest of anyone on the court like because he's up for an extension it's going to be really hard to agree on a fair number for him like a couple of years ago it was like oh he's a max extension guy then it was like, well, he's probably going to get the Levine deal, which is four for 80. And now it's like, well, he's not even worth the Levine deal. So what kind of deal could you give him that would be fair for him? And my thing with Lowry is like, you can't lose him for nothing. You got to you gotta deal him for value back. Uh, so it might even be in their best interest to sign him and then just trade him a year or two from now. Like this new Bulls front office, you can do trades. Unlike Garpax, make a good trade. Yeah, I mean, if he, if you get him to, for something cheap, for sure. But and then, but I have to imagine like he would bet on himself. I would think. I mean, maybe not. Maybe he's wouldn't do that. But like after after these few years, like I can't like I'm not really sure like what he would even agree to at this point. Right. Even if the Bulls put something on the table for him, like, I don't even know if they're going to do that. But like, I guess he would he agree to like four sixty right now. Like, I feel like that'd be very stupid on his part. You would think you'd want to bet on yourself more than that, right? But four sixty. You know, maybe after the year the Bulls signed into that, and then try to trade him. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't hate. I wouldn't hate that. I don't want. I, I do not want to commit. I I would prefer not to commit anything right now. Like, I guess if he has another year like last year, 
I guess I don't even know if I would sign him at all, but like you would hope he's going to be at least a little better. And then if you, if he at least improves a bit, like would, and I, you gave him 460 or 470, and then maybe you do trade him. I mean, there is value in just like keeping him around and then using him as a trade piece instead of uh, letting him walk for nothing. Like I'm curious to see what the Kings do. Like the Kings have to make a decision by tonight. So by the time this goes up, they'll have made their decision. But with Bogdanovich, like, I feel like it would make sense for them to just keep him and then maybe trade him later as opposed to just losing him to the Hawks for nothing. Like, it's not that big of a deal. It's whatever, 18 million a year, I think. It's so like a te- teams like this are just like, I feel like it's bad business to just let them walk totally. Yeah. So, like, there definitely isn't a, a, at least a, like, some type of rationale for just keeping a guy on a deal. Because we see guys, I mean, we, we talk about how these oh, there's all these bad contracts signed. And these guys end up getting traded anyways, and deals like that aren't even that bad. Like we, like they're really like no untradeable deals. Guys get moved all the time. Uh, obviously, you don't want to like really overpay for a guy, but like if you paid Lowry four sixty four seventy next uh, next offseason, like that wouldn't be that bad as long as he like didn't take like a huge step back. Yeah, I don't think that they should agree to an early extension with Lowry either. Just yeah. to be clear, but right. Uh, my main point though is that like the current core in place is not going to mature into something that's super worthwhile and the clock is ticking. So I'm not pissed that the bulls haven't made any deals yet, but they're going to have to make some hard decisions soon. And that's the only reason why Karnaschovas has the job because the last front office couldn't make those hard decisions. Uh, and so that's kind of where they are right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's uh, move off bulls free agency. Let's talk about, I think you wanted to talk a bit more about Patrick Williams. Yeah. So I will let you have the floor. Well, no, let's just talk about it. I don't need the floor. I don't have anything (laughs) prepared. I just want to have a conversation. I'm loving the Patrick Williams pick more and more. And I think that like, you know, I think I said that there, when they drafted him, I haven't listened to the recording of our podcast, but I believe what I said is that I did not expect him to be a high volume offensive player, but I thought that despite being or a high volume scorer, I should say, but yeah. despite being sort of a low volume scorer, he could still be a really impactful player just because of the versatility he gives you in terms of his lineups. And potentially he's a guy who impacts the game without needing the ball, right? Just by like hitting spot ups, closing out, providing, providing some supplemental rim protection, giving you some lineup flexibility where now like, you know, Markkanen's a guy who, you know, most teams I think in today's NBA would see him as a five. The Bulls have never played him really at the five very much since he's been drafted here because uh, they haven't had the type of four who could play next to him. So I would like to look up the Markkanen-Thad Young lineups when they were at the five and the four last year. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but if someone wants to look that up and tweet that at me when they didn't have another big man on the floor, because I know that sometimes Thad Young was playing the three last year. So in <laughs> lineups where Markkanen was at the five, Thad was at the four, I'd be interested in those numbers. Let me, yeah, if you just keep talking, I'll look, I'll look cool, this yeah, up. Cool, yeah, look that <laughs> well, up. Well, and then, going, yeah. you know, I think that Pat's skill set could potentially unlock some of the some lineup combinations like that. And even if it's not Markinen, like what if it's Jokic a couple of years from now, right? Like Jokic is going to be a free agent. Karnashovas has ties to him. I think this is in 2023, maybe. Oh man, 2023 uh, plan, baby. Let's do it. 2023 <laughs> plan, baby. Let's get Jokic. But Jokic. I'm just saying like having a four with rim protection abilities, meaning like when Pat Williams goes to wall up at the rim defensively, you cannot blow through him because he is so big and so strong in terms of his build that he's going to be able to absorb the contact most of the time. So you're not going to be able to like power through him. He's not really long, but I was talking to PD Webb, who we had on this podcast uh, 
for a Killian Hayes episode, he loves Pat Williams too. Go read PD's I saw, yeah, work. I saw that. He's at above the break three, numeral three on Twitter. He wrote a great Pat Williams piece. Uh, and he was saying that he thinks Pat Williams' wingspan is 7'1 or 7'2, according to the Florida State people, when the most recent actual measurement we have is 6'11. I personally feel like that would be a really big difference. If he's got like a 7'1 yep. or 7'2 wingspan, that would give him uh, a little more ability, I think, to defend the rim at a high level. So that was sort of my initial take on Pat Williams. Uh, what I don't think I realized in my initial watching of Pat Williams, and I actually did watch quite a bit of Florida State because, you know, covering the draft, I loved Vassell too. Vassell was one of my favorite really players good. in this draft. Pat Williams didn't start, but they were on the best team in the ACC in Florida State. They mostly had a veteran roster. Vassell didn't start as a freshman either, I don't believe. Uh, and as a sophomore, he became a lottery pick. So I think, you know, they thought Pat was going to follow that sort of trajectory and then Pat ends up turning one and done when he would have been the featured guy this upcoming year. And what's going to be another really big, good, uh, you know, Florida state team deep. And so I don't think I realized that Pat actually does have some sneaky offensive upside on the ball. And that is sort of what's been exciting me lately. And I think the bulls sort of owe it to themselves to tap into that on the ball skill. Now, the first thing I'll say is, and Brian Schroeder at Cosmos on Twitter has mentioned this a few times. It's also just pretty obvious if you watch Florida State. They've never really had, like, a dribble creator, and they don't really let their guys freelance in terms of their dribbling abilities. Uh, So Pat Williams didn't get a ton of isolation offensive opportunities. I mean, he didn't even start, so this isn't surprising, right? right, That they weren't letting (laughs) the youngest guy on the team cook with the ball in his hands when they play in the toughest conference they're trying to win the acc they got a veteran team full of talented guys they're the only team with two lottery picks it makes sense that pat williams wasn't allowed to like iso up and cook right but i do think he has a little bit of potential there in his game that is untapped and that's sort of the fun thing about taking the youngest player or the second youngest player in the draft is that like we don't really know what he's going to be like i see one outcome of Pat Williams where he's a low volume scorer, but is still like a pretty good draft pick at number four overall because, you know, he impacts the game defensively. He's still impacting the game offensively, gives you some versatility. That could still be a really good player, right? Even if he's not scoring a lot, but maybe he can score a lot. Like we don't really know that there are some interesting indicators that would lead you to believe, well, perhaps he could be better with the ball in his hands than he got to show at Florida State. The first one is that in very low volume, only 9% of his possessions, I know I mentioned this on the previous episode, he was in the 90th percentile in terms of pick and roll ball hand. So I think if you go look at the tape of his pick and roll ball handling reps, uh, he threw some really nice live dribble passes. His pull-up shooting motion looks pretty fluid. So I think like that's something you can really tap into, right? Like the Bulls owe it to themselves to tap into that. Let's see what he can do as a guy who, you know, you give him the ball on the wing and he's running an ISO or running a pick and roll because his ball handling, of course, it needs to be improved, but it looks pretty solid. Uh, he, he definitely has some some moments of really interesting reads, is a passer, is a ball handler. I would say one thing that jumps out about him watching clips of him is that he just seems like generally a high feel player. And his coaches will say that too. His former teammates will say that. Uh, he seems like, well, for one, he seems like a Mitch Trubisky level sweetheart. He just seems like a really sweet kid <laughs> who hopefully the entire city likes rooting for. I have spoken to Pat Williams once when he was an A when he was an AAU on the Nike EYBL circuit, and he was like a he was a really nice guy, but 
you know, I think that like maybe that's something that'll uh, attract the fan base to him. But then also, I think that uh, he's gonna sort of he's sort of like you can mold him into whatever he wants to be. I think and very unique. Obviously. Part of that is like, yeah, like maybe he ends up. I think I comped him to James Johnson on the last podcast, who had a yeah, pretty good career post Bulls. But you owe it to yourself to try to develop his on-ball abilities. In the more yeah, I think, they, about I mean, it, they talked. They talked about it at that press conference. So I would assume they are. AK mentioned it after the draft. They mentioned the on-ball stuff that he played point guard in high school and all that. So I would. It seems like that's why they like him because they see that they think that there is that stuff to untap. So I would hope that they give him that chance. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, like when you when you really like dive into his defense, like, you know, the biggest problem is that he's just not super quick. He got blown by a lot at Florida State. I don't really think he's going to get quicker. Like there is this line of thought that perhaps he could sort of balance out his lower body muscle where he has these tree trunks for thighs and not skinny calves, but like, you know, the muscle distribution could be better. (laughs) Right. So like, you know, the, the scenario of that happening and he gets quicker defensively and he turns into like a super stud defender, that almost seems less likely to me than him just like developing really good perimeter offensive skills. And when you talk about him playing the three, That should mean, to me, your position is who you guard. So when I say Patrick Williams is a four, I mean he's a four on defense, right? But you can have anyone handle the ball on offense, and you can have your power forward play as a, quote, wing, a big wing, a small forward, whatever, while still being a four. So on offense, yeah, try to tap into his perimeter skill try to see what he can become there because he does have some really interesting flashes. I kind of think he might have more potential offensively than defensively at this point, which was not really the case uh, on my initial read of him as a prospect when I was watching him watching Florida State this year before the draft. Now I'm starting to see some avenues towards high upside offensive potential, whereas defensively, I think he's really solid. I think he'll be like a B, B plus defensively but I don't really see all world potential because he's not super long and not super quick. Uh, perhaps he makes up for some of that with high IQ. I think the high IQ also leads into his p- offensive potential. Uh, so that's just sort of my general takeaway on a week of Pat Williams. I'm really loving the Pat Williams pick. I really do. I am so much more excited about Patrick Williams than if they would have taken Denny or oh, Halliburton yeah. and maybe Halliburton will be great because he found a perfect situation. I think next to De'Aaron Fox as a lead ball handler in Sacramento, uh, you know, maybe Daniel will be really good. Maybe a will be great or Vassell. These are all, you know, names that I think most people would have expected to go ahead of Pat Williams, Killian but Hayes as well, Killian Hayes as well. And I'm not saying that like, I would definitely, I myself would have taken Killian over all those guys. But what I am saying is that it is a really exciting pick. It's a really fun pick. It gives you a lot of different outcomes. I think for him personally, there's an outcome where he becomes, you know, a low volume scorer and there's an outcome where he possibly becomes a high volume scorer and he could still be a good player on either of those avenues. So the general versatility and the general like team building options he unlocks, like, you know, I talked about his supplemental rim protection at the four. Like maybe that allows you to play Lowry at the five. Maybe it allows you to play another really talented offensive five. Who's not Lowry Martin and who might suck uh, in that place. Or maybe you go with Carter and then maybe you have like a super sick defensive front of two, a little bit undersized guys with Carter and uh, Pat Williams, but they're just like high IQ. They're strong. They're tough. They're disciplined. You get an identity that way. So, there's 
there's a lot of there's a lot still hanging up in the air about the Bulls. And obviously, Patrick Williams, 19 years old, youngest American-born player in the draft, he's going to have a long way to go before he's making a consistent impact. But a week later, I am really, really liking the pick. And I always liked the pick. I was never one of these people who was upset about it. Uh, but I'm just liking it more and more. The more I see him, the more I see him in these like pickup footages. Uh, obviously, there's caveats that come with that. But going <laughs> back over the tape, too, I think that uh, it was a really fun pick. And I'm super excited to see what his career is going to be like. I know Spencer Dinwiddie loves him, says he has no ceiling. So that's great. He's been playing. I think he's been part of those pickup games or whatever. So, I mean, that's fun. Yeah, I think I, I think we both said this or I said this on right after they took him. Like, the, while I like it, maybe it seemed like they took him a bit high. You totally understand why they did it. And basically everything that you just talked about is why they did it because of that extra kind of upside that that is po- possibly there. Again, that'll be on them and him to develop it. Uh, hopefully this new Bulls player development staff can uh, get that out of him because they've had some issues developing their players in recent years, it sure seems like. So hopefully they can unlock all that because if it does, if he does hit and he hits his like higher possible outcomes, like he it could be a very exciting, fun player and somebody that Bulls fans should really like. Uh, going, I did find, looking up at these lineup stats with uh, Lowry and Thad, together they played, this is just like them together in general, it's like almost 300 minutes. Terrible offense. It was like a 99 offensive rating, minus four overall ratings. The defense was fine. Uh, a few lineups that they played in together a lot where they Lowry was the five and Thad was the four. Where, where is it? I had, I had it right here. Uh, in 42 minutes, uh, Thad, Lowry, Chris Dunn, Sadaransky, Levine got absolutely worked on both ends. And then in 36 minutes, Kobe in place of Chris. Uh, Kobe... Kobe, Thad, Levine, Dunn was much better. They've almost kind of broke even. Again, these are really small sample sizes with Thad and Lowry playing in the front court. I mean, theoretically, it's, it sounds like it, it could work, especially if you have decent guards around them. So, I don't know. <laughs> I think either way, one of those guys should go. and Probably Thad Young if you're not going to find a Lowry trade if you don't want to trade him yet. But they need they definitely need to make a move in the front court there especially with Patrick Williams I'm, there now if it, just to get Patrick Williams some minutes even if we know rookies usually don't make that kind of big impact unless they're like super special guys like i want to see Patrick Williams on the floor and if you're going to get him on the floor you need to clear out some of that uh, log jam in the front court yeah i mean you know a year from now are we talking about Lowry and Thad both being gone like I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Right. And those are sort of the moves that they're going to have to make. Like They're going to have to make yeah. tough moves. So, yeah. uh, you know, kind of a frustrating free agency for the Bulls. I think I'm not personally super frustrated by it, but I do know the clock is ticking. So I'm excited that what Karnashov has did by taking Patrick Williams. I think that Garpak's no way they make that pick, right? Just like no chance. They take I, Patrick yeah, Williams. I, doesn't so seem like we'll they, see if it, you know, if it good. works out for better or for worse. But uh, I think, you know, the drafting for Garpex wasn't always terrible. It was, it was, I mean, they had just so many errors and so many mistakes, but uh, I think that like where Karnaschovas can have the biggest improvement over the previous administration is by making trades. So let's see some trades, bro. Like, you, know, you don't got to <laughs> do them now. You got to do them by the deadline, I think. Yeah, yeah. Within like the next calendar year, there's got to be some like, some serious moves. Unless, like, unless somehow like, Everything like goes well and so, like shockingly good outcomes for the Bulls. But even then, even if that happens, like then you consolidate some young guys into a superstar. I feel like I, I feel like if, if anything, like even if things do go well, you build up some of these guys' value up. 
look for that next superstar that wants out and you trade two two of these guys and like a draft pick for an, a superstar and you still have a couple of the young guys left i mean i feel like that's what really what should be i think the outlook and maybe that is what they're maybe that is what their plan is is they want to build up the, these guys values again and then they want to use then flip them for a superstar you still you still have some guys left over but then if you bring in a legitimate star here that'd be great i don't know we'll see like i said there are multiple ways that they can approach this this patient approach is has is fine for now as you said but we'll see it we'll see how they go here um before we totally wrap up here is there anything else from around free agency that's like really shocked you like obviously that gordon hayward deal was massive michael jordan giving him 120 million uh on that hornets team i know the hornets uh are the hornets they're in charlotte like you got overpay for guys but for that guy that was kind of crazy i mentioned the jeremy grant deal was pretty big but i mean they'll probably end up being fine even if i think it's too much uh, the Lakers have obviously had a great offseason. They get Montrez Harrell. They get Marcus Soule. Uh, they got Wesley Matthews. So, I mean, they're just reloading. They should be the clear favorite again. Uh, the Bucks have recovered. The, Buc- the Bucks got Bobby Portis, kind of hilarious. Uh, they DJ Augustine as well. So, the Bucks made some decent moves after the whole Bogdanovich just complete fuck up. Uh, I feel like they're still in like the same boat though, where like they're going to rely on Drew Holiday to be much better than Bloodstone. They need Giannis to hit jumpers and all that. Uh, we'll see about what Giannis if he makes the decision now. I know Bam Adebayo just signed his max ex- extension today, which a lot of people think that means Giannis is staying. I don't know. We'll see. As we wrap up here, Ricky, is there anything else that that's really stood out from around the league in uh, free agency so far? But most of the stuff is basically done at this point. Let's. There's other big trades. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you just ran through a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I think the Lakers are the clear favorites next year. Yeah. Uh, it's hard for me to even see a team that comes close. And I already had this moment where I'm like, shit, is LeBron going to win more titles than Jordan? Like, next <laughs> year, if he gets that one, he's going to have five. And then, like, there's already these rumors that they're going to both opt out and try to get Giannis. So, you know, just ridiculous. Like the Lakers tried to get Giannis. Like, <laughs> I know. Uh, that'd be really annoying. Yeah. So, like, LeBron's, the golden years of LeBron's career could really change the perception of his legacy, perhaps. I think that that's sort of an interesting storyline with the Lakers looking like they're the clear favorites again. I already talked about what the Hawks did. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, kind of reminds me of what the Bulls did last year, but I don't think the Bulls signed anyone who was as good as Gallinari, and I don't no. think the Bulls have a player who's as good as Trey Young. So that's kind of interesting uh, to see what they do. And yeah, I mean, th- there's been so much around the league. I'm excited about the Suns with CP3. Yeah, uh, Suns made some good moves this offseason. I think that they have uh, some potential to move way up the Western Conference standings. Uh yeah, quite a bit. There's been so much action in uh, in the opening days of free agency. The Bulls just haven't been in on any of it. Yeah, I will also say it sucks ass that Clay Thompson is going to be out another season. That kind of nukes the Warriors. But shout out to Joe Lacob for uh, using that trade exception to get Kelly Oubre Jr. paying up, even though that team is probably not going to be a title contender. They're going to be pay out the wazoo. At least they're like paying it back to Steph to try to keep them as competitive as possible. Uh, again, sucks ass though for Clay Thompson. I feel like everybody loves Clay Thompson. It's kind of just a goofy guy. He's obviously one of the best shooters of all times, and he'll have missed two straight years in his prime now with this Achilles injury after his ACL. That just 
really fucking sucks for him and for the Warriors. It's kind of a bummer for their dynasty to kind of fizzle out like this. But maybe they'll be better better than I think. I mean, they should, they should, as long as Seth is healthy, they still should be pretty good. Just in that Western Conference, which is obviously shaping up, especially with the Suns getting better. The Blazers have done some nice things. I we didn't mention them yet. They got Melo back. They got Derek Jones Jr. Uh, Rodney Hood's back off his Achilles injury. They traded for. They got Enos Cantor back, and then. Uh, they'll have all. I think all their other guys are mostly healthy. I know Zach Collins is still uh, recovering. I think he might miss some of the year, but I mean the Blazers should have a fun deep team. Uh, so I mean they'll be right there. Uh, just the West is going to be a load, and then we'll, we just have to see what's going to happen with the Rockets. If they trade Harden, if they go to camp with Harden and Russ, if they end up finding trades, like, I feel like that's like the, kind of the, that and uh, Anthony Davis resigning with the Lakers. But that, I mean that's a foregone conclusion. Those are kind of like the last big orders of business here. It seems like for. This offseason and then training camps open in like a week. Unreal. It's <laughs> fucking crazy. <laughs> Any thoughts on uh, Patrick Williams taking Lou Dang's number? Number nine. He said he was going to Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, originally. Now he's switching to nine. Uh, I guess if he can be as if he can have a Bulls career like Lou Dang, I'd be absolutely thrilled. I know I know Lou had his had his flaws, but uh, he still goes down as what? Maybe the ten, one of the ten, top 10 to 15 Bulls of all time. Patrick Williams can do that. I'd love it. Hell yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, hopefully uh, Ding blesses that jersey selection, right? We <laughs> yeah. want to be on Luol Ding's good side. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited about that. At 14 was just a weird number to me, right? Like yeah. a quarterback number, an Andy Dalton-ass number. <laughs> number nine feels like he could be a stud wearing number nine, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's, a, that's all for now here at Cash Considerations Ash Chicago Bulls podcast. Uh, it's Obviously, it's Thanksgiving week for we, as we mentioned, free agency mostly wrapped up, but the Bulls could still make some moves. Uh, hopefully they don't do anything over the next couple of days. We'd like to uh, enjoy Thanksgiving, even though we're not really, during this time, this pandemic, not really doing much. Uh, Going to have Thanksgiving at home with the wife. You have any, are you, you're going uh, to Iowa to see your girlfriend, right? Is that just what you're doing for Thanksgiving? Yeah, my parents canceled Thanksgiving. Smart yeah. move. Super. I'm thankful yeah. about that, that they you know, didn't have <laughs> yeah. everyone coming in. And my, my brother tested positive for COVID. He's not having any symptoms, uh, but he lives in Arizona and he was like going to come in to see the family. And it's like, bro, you know, you, you had COVID. So I'm thankful <laughs> yeah. that I stay away. Yeah, stay exactly. away, bro. Yeah. So I'm thankful that, uh, you know, most people hopefully are being smart for this. I'm glad my family was at least. And yeah, I'm going to Iowa for a few days to see my girlfriend going to hang out there. So uh, we'll see if any Bulls news breaks, but uh yeah, we might have to do an emergency podcast if it does. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we'll see about that. Like I said, we'll, we'll be around. I'll be around. So, uh, but I would like, hopefully they they still be a little more patient than maybe uh, next week. They uh, get it, get it on the action again, make some moves. Uh, but either way, yes, obviously here for cash considerations. That shout out to Blue Wire Podcast. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, Indeed and Bet Online, and for. Go check out all the other great pods all across the Blue Wire Network. Obviously, with everything going on for agency, we got tons of tons of analysis, and we got football pods, other sports, a lot of other great pods. Obviously, with the football season in full swing, so go check out any of those other pods if you want to. There's so many good pods in the Blue Wire Network. Uh, for us, obviously, you can rate and review us wherever you listen to your pods. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all those places. And let us you know where to find us on Twitter. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about. Let us know if there's anything we can do better. Uh, so we will talk to you guys next time. I'm not totally sure when that's going to be. Uh, if anything, it might be like a training camp preview if the Bulls don't do anything else. But if they make a big move or something in the near future here, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll do an emergency podcast. But for this time, for Cash Considerations, Ace High Bulls Podcast, Jason and Ricky, we'll talk to you guys next time. And happy Thanksgiving.